Welcome to Mercatus Radio, Episode 3. I'm your host, Sylvain Perrier, President and CEO, and joining me, as always, in studio, is Mark Fairhurst, our very own Senior Director of Marketing. Great to be back. Number three. Number three, almost in the can, and at the board, at the helm, I'd like to say Scotty from Star Trek, and it's not, but it's Kevin Glenn, which is even better than that, right? Because Scott would be really old right now, <laughs> and so I, I think he's passed away. He 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 has. <laughs> he unfortunately has. Has he left behind that uh, that formula for the uh, transparent aluminum that he like? Oh, t- from uh, from the movie, you know, Star, he, Star Trek Four. Yeah, Star Trek yes. Four, and he started talking into the mouse computer. Yes, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yes, that's great. And so today's topic, we're going to be talking about the infinite game in grocery retail. Hashtag winning. Hashtag Tiger Blood. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie Sheen. By the way, we miss you, Charlie. When are you going to call me back? So the industry's changed. I mean, we certainly covered that in podcast number two. We talked about the new entrants, how the product lines are being blurred, how grocery retailers have restaurants, and now how pharmacies have products that are typically sold in, in grocery retail. You know, the acquisition of Shoppers Drug Mart by uh, Loblaws. It's, it's so different. And I think it's just going to accelerate. And what we're seeing happening right now is the difference between companies that are just okay with status quo and others that are really all about playing the long game, right? Which is really synonymous for those of you who watch sports. And as always, we have our expert on the line, Britton Ladd. For those of you who don't know him, he's the man. He gets this space, right? He's published prolific writer, knows everything about technology and retail and e-commerce. Welcome back to our show. Thank you so much. It's really great to be back for this episode. So winning and winning in, in the most classical of terms is very finite. It's like a project it has a beginning and it has an end. It can be very well defined to a certain extent as winners and as losers. And Vegas is very good at cultivating kind of that, what I like to call the finite game, right? And I can tell you that more often than not today, we're seeing this dynamic change where retailers are falling into this pit, for lack of a better term, where they become very finite. And I can I can remember, and, I'm, and again, I'm I'm a history buff just in general, and I think most of the people that know me know that. And I can remember being in Fort Mill, South Carolina, in uh, 2008. I was landing uh, into Charlotte CLT, and it was really odd on the plane for a Sunday. There was a lot of Canadian bankers on the plane. Check into the hotel in downtown Charlotte at the Omni. Couldn't get a room. My room had disappeared. And there is crowds of people freaking out. What I didn't know, it was announced that Lehman Brothers had shut down. And it was the beginning of the financial crisis. And so through that Sunday on for quite some time, we saw some uh, North Carolina and South Carolina, and I will say South Carolina specifically, their unemployment rates went up to 17%, which is huge, higher than the national average at the time. And what you could see across the pool of tier two and tier one grocery retailers 
a big shift in strategic direction, a very big shift in how they competed in the market. And you could get a good sense of those that really wanted to succeed. They doubled down on their private label because they knew that the people that used to go to restaurants during the week or would go to higher end retailers would eventually trickle into their front doors. But they also equally knew that there was a class of consumers that they normally served that couldn't afford anything anymore that would have to go to the food banks and the like to be able to survive. So the smart ones knew how to squeeze costs out of their supply chain, knew how to double down on their private label, how to get the best out of their CPGs to be able to survive. And there are others today from that experience have still not recovered. You know, the industry is still today faced with a lot of retailers that are dealing with chapter 11s, chapter 7s. We at Mercatus have had to go through two prominent retailers that have gone bankrupt. Fresh and Easy, for those of you who may not know who they are, they were, I think they were started in the LA market by Tesco just before the financial crisis or during the financial crisis, they never recovered. And A&P. A&P was one of the US's first and at one point largest grocery retailer. So interesting developments. So Bryn, help our audience understand what's the opposite of a retailer that's playing the short game? A retailer who plays the infinite game, and let's really kind of help the audience get a better understanding of this. As you stated earlier, finite game, you know how long you're going to play. You know what the score or how the game is going to be scored. There's a referee. There are agreed upon rules. An infinite game is rules can change at any time. There are no agreed upon rules. And the goal is to keep the game going on to infinity, keep the game going forever. And to me, the company that understands that the best is Amazon. And the reason why I say that is if you look at Amazon, Amazon says, we don't just want to be a retailer. We want to be in technology. We want to be in entertainment. Why do we want to do that? Well, because we know that's what our customers are going to want. Customers need technology. Customers want entertainment. Amazon made the decision to acquire Whole Foods. Why? Because their customers need groceries. Their customers need food. And more importantly, what Amazon did is they understood very early, why are we here? Well, they were really there to disrupt. They were really there to create an ecosystem that was unlike anything else. But it was always built around the needs of consumers. And the way to keep Amazon growing was to find more and more ways to meet the needs of consumers and not deviate from that. So when I look out there and say, who plays the infinite game the best? Absolutely, I have to rank Amazon number one. And then I look out there and I say, Walmart does a really good job. I think Walmart understands the infinite game, but I do not believe they play it anywhere near as well as Amazon. And as your audience members should know by now, I, I have coined this phrase where I say, India could be Walmart's Vietnam. And what I mean by that is when you look at the infinite game, the goal is to keep the game going on forever. So the goal is to outlast the competition. In a finite game, 
football, basketball, baseball, and so forth. The goal is simply to beat the competition. So I believe Walmart today is still playing a finance game. You hear them refer constantly to wanting to beat Amazon. Amazon never talks that way. So now you have Walmart and they're going to enter India. They're going to buy a majority stake in a company called Flipkart. And the challenge for that is Walmart is going to India because why? They want to beat Amazon. They think they need to draw a line in the sand and make a stand there in India. The challenge is this. Wall Street rewards Amazon no matter what they do. Wall Street punishes Walmart for almost everything that they do as well. So if Walmart starts taking losses in India, as I believe they will, Walmart will have to put even more capital into India, and I believe the losses will continue. And just as the United States had to withdraw from Vietnam after putting more and more troops and more and more effort into the, to the war, the United States had to withdraw because the Viet Cong wanted to outlast the United States. And I believe Amazon's goal in India will be to outlast Walmart. And if the losses start to pile up, Walmart will have to pull out of India. And that's why I believe that Amazon will win because Amazon's there to outlast Walmart and everybody else. Walmart's going there to win. And that's the big difference between what's a infinite game player and who is a finite game player. I can draw a correlation. This is, and, and Mark will know about this, this is like Target retreating out of Canada. Yep. Right? So Target, first of all, you know, in Canada, we call Target Target. You know, and I don't know why. I mean, this, this, <laughs> we do this as Canadians. Why not jump up? That's like, that's like calling a coffee with two creams and two sugars a double-double. I still I still don't get it. But in, in any case, we, we tend to, we tend to, we love our brands and we tend to give them these odd, silly names. But in any case, Target retreated for two reasons. One is they fail to understand the Canadian psyche and the cultural mix in our own country. A consumer in Vancouver is very different from a consumer in Montreal, different from a consumer in Halifax, different needs, different cultural backgrounds. Yep. And just across those three cities, those three areas, there's likely six languages spoken right there right and canada you know seems very large on a map but the reality is it is not even 10 percent of the u.s population so that's number one did not understand the consumer the second thing they did they screwed up their supply chain and the third one and i don't think our audience knows this and there was a, an article that dabbled in kind of trying to explain this issue and i view i view target as an infinite player in this space here, but this they, they failed. 50% of the employees at Target's Canadian head office in the outskirts of Toronto were transplanted from Minneapolis. That was the biggest mistake they made. Thinking that they could take 200 people traveling back and forth mm. into the Canadian space that suddenly, oh, magically, this is an operational problem here. Let's get a bunch of Six Sigma people. We'll fix it. And that's not going to work. And I, I agree with your statement, Britton, is that we've seen this. This has happened before. I've seen it in our own backyard. And I think that the reality is it's sexy to go into India. There's a lot of people. There's a big opportunity. But you can bleed yourself dry of money 
and knowledge and great executives if you don't know what you're up against. And I love how how Amazon has positioned themselves to force Walmart to force their hand to spend a lot of money. And that is a, for that amount of money to have been approved, I think you must agree that somebody must have jumped through some hoops at head office. I agree. And, and I think the thing that you said that we need to follow through on is let us not give the impression that if you play the infinite game that you aren't involved in strategy strategy allows the infinite game to continue making wise decisions not deviating from who you are not overreaching and so when i look at what's going on with walmart in india we would be remiss if we didn't point out that this is a great strategy on the part of amazon and one way to think about it is if Amazon was a crocodile, they're laying underneath the surface of the water at the watering hole and along comes the buffalo. And Amazon, the crocodile grabs that buffalo. They don't bite it and let go. They want to pull that buffalo into deep water. To me, India is deep water for Walmart. This is out of their wheelhouse completely. Amazon's global. Amazon has a very experienced team of executives, and unlike Target, when they made the mistake of how they went to Canada, Amazon built up a very experienced team of individuals who are familiar with business in India, the culture in India, and Amazon has gone out of their way to really ingratiate themselves to the consumers, to the population. Flipkart, even though they've been in business for 2007, they were unable to establish a real leadership position within India because if they had, Amazon wouldn't have been able to come in and quickly take market share. Why was Amazon able to do that? They're able to provide a better customer experience. So just because Walmart is entering India doesn't mean that they're going to find success. And again, that's what's going to be interesting as this plays out. Does the infinite player Amazon are they willing to take losses? Do they just simply invest massively in price and sell items at a loss no matter what? Walmart does the same thing, so they have to make investments. But what happens is there's two different outcomes. Wall Street punishes Walmart for losses, and they reward Amazon for sticking to their strategy. So the executive team at Amazon, I think, is going to be the one that stays the course doesn't deviate, but I think within Walmart is where we're going to see a lot of the infighting beginning and a lot of the second guessing, just as happened with your example of Target when they entered Canada. There was an awful lot of people who stood back from that and said, why didn't we realize what we were getting into in the first place? Yeah, and I can remember when they opened the first store. In Canada, they came in through an acquisition, right? They bought the assets out of Zellers, uh, Zellers Canada. The one thing I found that was very odd, now they invested an incredible amount of money in rebranding, re re-energizing the real estate and so on, but they kept the same employees. So, and these were unionized employees. Mark, is, is that correct? I think it was, correct, right? Correct, correct. So I, I can remember going into one of the stores. Now, aside from having holes in the inventory, so stuff missing, the product mix wasn't like the US, so we were no longer calling it Target. As proud Canadians, we would call it Target. And the employees were disgruntled. And it was just a brutal experience, not the same that you would get south of the border. Now, I'm curious, who do you think 
is doing besides the Amazon and the Amazons and the, and the larger retailers, who's playing the infinite game really well in grocery retail? Aldi and Lidl. I tell you what, if you want to look at a company and say, or both companies, you could look at them both and say, you couldn't ask for a better team of executives. You couldn't ask for a better team that understands why are they there? What is their mission in life on a daily basis? And between Aldi and Lidl, they have over 20,000 stores globally. They will be the largest grocery retailer globally for many years to come. And in the United States, what I really anticipate happening is that Aldi and Lidl are going to expand beyond their niche market. And they're going to start introducing some more high-end products. I believe they are going to go to more of a digital platform, but they'll take command and control over it themselves. And when I look at Aldi and Lidl, and as you were speaking earlier about the financial crisis and the fact that there were retailers who had people coming in and they really couldn't afford anything because they didn't have the right products, Aldi and Lidl never have that problem. They are focused on private label. They don't deviate from that. They really maintain low prices. They maintain high quality. They don't deviate from that. And although many strategy advisors have said to Aldi and Lidl, you should be going into electronics and expanding in other areas, they understand they need to really stick to what it is that's made them successful all these years. And so when I look out there, other than Amazon, certainly Aldi and Lidl, I certainly agree with you about Target as well. I think Target is a much better company today for what happened to them in Canada, because I think it was a wake up call. And as we know, a new CEO came in after that. And I believe Brian Cornell today says, we have to be smarter. We have to have a better strategy. And more importantly, everything we do, we have to understand it needs to be focused on our core customer, our target customer, and not necessarily trying to compete with what an Amazon is doing or a Walmart is doing. Let us make sure we don't deviate from who we are as a company. And when they went to Canada, I was just amazed at what I saw. So I certainly agree with you that Target does a really good job. But other than that, well, let's add Wegmans. I think Wegmans absolutely is an infinite player. They've not deviated. They haven't expanded. I think HEB in Texas, they're absolutely phenomenal at what they do. So I could make the argument that they're a pretty good uh, in infinite player. But when we talk about an infinite player, what we're looking at is who is going to be able to do this globally and who's going to be able to do this as demographic changes occur and so forth. So these companies today, the Wegmans and the HEBs, yes, they're successful. What about 10 years from now, 20 years from now? That's what we mean by the infinite player. The company goes on forever because they're able to adjust to the needs of the consumer without changing who they are. So that's what's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and I would agree with your statement regarding Wegmans and HEB. I mean, this, these are organizations that I think each are going through now bring, bringing on board their fourth generation leader. I know that specifically for Wegmans, Danny, Danny Wegman himself, he's stepping down. His daughter is taking over his role. She's fairly young. She's been in the business, I think, forever. 
something she certainly quite learned very well at the hands of her father. And they are, Wegmans is an incredible brand. They were one of the first to actually incorporate, I think it's in Pittsfield, where they have one of their stores. They, this is a little bit of a Wegmans story. So they built a restaurant across the road where they actually test out their recipes and their ready-made food before it's put in their store. And I visited this place. So this is uh, Rochester. Rochester used to be in the grand scheme of things, the home of Xerox, Bosch and Lom, Kodak. That's really no longer the case, right? So I think I think Wegmans is still one of the very few largest employers in the area. But because of that, there was this French gentleman. I can't remember his name. I don't even know if he's still alive. But what he used to do, he used to import fine wines. And this is not even related to our topic, but I just got to share this story with the audience. <laughs> and uh, he he bought an old warehouse in Rochester, and it was stocked with 20,000 bottles of wine that he had imported over 20 to 30 years that he was maintaining. And so the Wegmans family is like, I think we should get into the business of having standalone locations where we can sell alcohol and wine. So they went in, they hired this gentleman. He was, he was fully retired and they bought his stock of wine. We got to see how they were inventorying in this wine and so on. So it was kind of cool to kind of watch the, the family and the executives at Wegmans really to start to think outside of the box of just grocery and being able to diversify their product mix and try to start something else. But what I found really more interesting than this story that I'm sharing with the, with the people listening is all the years that I've had the opportunity to interact with Wegmans or HEB or any small regional retailer, and these guys aren't small, that are really playing the infinite game, they're very customer-centric. They think Correct. They think first, not like, hey, I think if we bought this computer, things will be faster. I think if we did this operationally, this will be better. They start first and foremost, how would our consumers react? Does this meet their needs? And that's very interesting. Now, who's out there, not in the grocery space, maybe the technology space, who's playing the infinite game that is just knocking it out of the park? Well, I certainly think you have to look at Apple. You have to look at Microsoft. Both of those companies absolutely are. You have to look at someone like Amerisource Bergen. You have to look at McKesson Pharmaceutical. They're absolutely doing a great job. And then you have someone who thinks they're doing a great job or wants to give the impression they're giving a great job, and that, that would be Tesla. So Tesla wants to be the company to convince you they're playing the infinite game, but they're really not. I think your audience members, when they listen to this, will consciously and subconsciously, as they think of companies on their own, say, are they an infinite company, an infinite player, or are they a finite player? And there are those companies that their name rises to the surface and you look at them and say, absolutely, they're, they're in this thing for the customer and they have a track record of success and they always seem to make the right moves. But then there are those companies that kind of come out of nowhere and they get the press, they get an awful lot of press and it gives the impression that they're an infinite player, that they're going to be around for the long haul. But history is just full of companies that weren't able to do that. If you look at technology, you look at Dell, for example. Dell 
was looked at as being the absolute leader in all things related to computers and technology. And Michael Dell's famous for saying that Steve Jobs should sell Apple and give the money back to the shareholders. Within two years, just a few years of Michael Dell making that comment, Apple overtook Dell in terms of market share. So I think Apple has absolutely learned along the way how they need to keep their focus in order to play the infinite game. And there are all kinds of other companies out there that try and give the appearance of being an infinite player, but they're really not. And I would have to put Tesla at the top of the list. Yeah. So I love the fact you used Dell as an example, because at one time I was a major Dell fan. This is a classic example where you get enamored with selling servers because there's better margin, you're playing with bigger businesses, and you stop looking at your consumer business and thinking like your consumers and what they want to buy. We've seen this with research in motion. And I think Tesla's not that far behind. I think he was exceedingly rude last week on one of his earnings calls with the analysts. <laughs> Now he's talking about building this candy moat to compete against uh, Warren Buffett. This is, this is just ridiculous. Now, can you, if you're stuck in playing the finite game and you're, you know, a medium-sized grocery retailer, can you turn the tide and become better and start playing the infinite game? Absolutely. And we've touched on this in some of the other podcasts, but what it, it really comes down to is this, again, understanding why are you even there having that honest conversation at the board level if it's a public company why are we here why are we here and it's it goes beyond well to serve customers okay well of course you're there to serve customers but do you really understand what it is your customers who come to you want and do you have a mechanism in place to where you're capturing data and really understanding who are your customers across all demographic levels. And then do you have an ability to take that data and analyze it and really help you start making better business decisions? And the thing that never ceases to amaze me is when I hear people say, well, you want analytics, you want analytics. There's all kinds of ways to get analytics, but analytics without interpretation of data to where you can make a better business decision really doesn't help you much. And so for someone who's playing the finite game, you really need to step back and say, I, in honesty, don't know who my customers are. I know we have customers, but I really don't know what they want. I really don't have a relationship with my customers. I don't have an ability to personalize the experience. I really don't have a good way to get an understanding of as they go through their changes in their lives, how do I ensure that I'm there to provide them with what they need? And it begins with something as simple as that. And in my business, when I meet with executives, a lot of them scoff at doing this exercise and they're like, oh, we know our customers inside and out. We have all kinds of data. But my reply is, so why are you losing market share? Why are you losing relevance? Because the one thing that stands out for every company that honestly is an infinite player is this. They are relevant in the lives of their customers. Consumers look at them as being relevant. And the biggest danger to regional grocery retailers, and we've seen this with the bankruptcies that you spoke about earlier, they lost relevance. And here's a fact. Here's an absolute fact within retail. When a retailer loses relevance, they never get it back. 
they absolutely never get it back. I'm a, histor a history buff as you are, and I've never been able to find a single example where a retailer lost relevance and was able to recover. And we see that today with Sears. No matter what they do, they're not going to recover. We see it with other retailers out there as well. So the main thing that a finite player has to do is be introspective and honestly look at what they do and, and look at their customers and understand the importance of data and personalization. And then from there, don't just serve customers, establish that relationship establish a way to where they look at you as being relevant to what they do on a daily basis. And that's when you start to convince those customers, I'm here for you. And it also is how you start to bring in the right executive team who say, we're not here to win. We are here to play this the long term, to be an infinite player. So it's not easy. I don't want to give that I've been through this multiple times, but absolutely there is a way to do this, but it really begins with a willingness. The CEO, the board of directors, they have to be willing to go through the pain to do this. Yeah, hundred percent. I, and I would say that, you know, challenging status quo in innovating in an environment that uses dated metrics to measure success is exceedingly difficult. And I'm reminded of an experience from. I think it was 12 years ago with a successful regional retailer that wanted to build out gas stations and they knew there was space in the market. They knew they had the ability to differentiate. They knew it could positively contribute to revenue growth, but internally it was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. My role was simply to look at parts of the technology at the time. And I remember the CEO really wanted to do this, driving the challenge, driving the innovation, made a pretty bold decision, which was, we're doing this, but I'm going to hire a separate team and they will not be domiciled in the same head office and they will have carte blanche to do what they need to do. Now today, that part of the business contributes significantly to their success in the space today. And I think that, you know, when you're a CEO and you're faced with this challenge, I mean, certainly a lot of my fellow CEOs that I have a chance to interact with, that sometimes it can be really scary and you just got to take that leap of faith. You have no choice because it's the difference between surviving and not surviving. Sir, it has been amazing having you on three of our podcast episodes and certainly the first three. Uh, you're a gentleman and a scholar, and I would like for you to share with our listeners, how can they get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is just reach out to me through LinkedIn. I have a prominent role on LinkedIn. I, I write articles and I always find a way to reply to anyone who does reach out to me. So LinkedIn is absolutely the easiest way to get a hold of me. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Mercatus Radio. Do not forget to tune in or to actually keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be coming out soon. Mark, can you share with the team, uh, how do they get a hold of the team and I should say the listeners, how do they get a hold of Mercatus? Yeah, and uh, I just want to add, Britton, thank you for your contribution to our first few podcasts. It's been a wonderful experience and uh, we look forward to engaging with you down the road www.mercatus.com is where you can reach us. Uh, our social channels are uh, accessible at the footer of every webpage. 
Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Thank you. Thank you.